You're listening to And hey, what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 181. Uh, my name is Marvin Yuet, joining me as always to talk about all the good pop because through our days. Uh, welcome back to my co-host, the once and future professional Asian American Jess Jew, and our most professional culture editor, Han Wen. Happy New Year, Marvin. And happy Han. We are New all Year. in cultures who celebrate the Lunar New Year, so yes. happy New Year. Year of the Dragon. Dragging these nuts, everyone. am I right, ladies? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Wishing everyone all the prosperity and, and all the health um, and all the other things that we wish each other yeah. on this holiday. Um, I guess we, I'm not sure how the rules work, but I think both Jess and I owe Han a red envelope at this point. Um, I thought it was generational. No. Like, yeah, the generation below you. I oh. owe you money. Well, no, because you're not. Oh, married. married. Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> so then I don't know how the age thing goes then. Hmm. Um, I think you still have to be older than me. So like my aunt will okay. give me money when I visit. Um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like my brothers don't give me I feel like the money. rules are fungible and every family has their own traditions. Yeah, so. like my family freaking stops giving to you after college. And I'm just like, what? And I have some friends who are like, no, I still get red envelopes because I'm not married. I'm like, are you? What? That's no, my mom doesn't rigged. give me Speaking but, uh, of red, yeah. red, speaking of red <laughs> envelopes, I just handed just her red envelope for a wedding this past weekend Thank because you, I forgot to bring it to Italy. It's okay. Oh yeah, uh, I should probably do that. <laughs> it is, it is, it is not required or expected. Uh, th- thank you for coming all the way to Europe. <laughs> yeah, how are you guys doing? I see that you both survived the storm, uh, the the big one, the big storm 2024. Well, as I've been telling everybody, my roof caved in last year. So this year I'm gravy. Last year, here's the weird thing. So last year, the storms were in late January. And and that was actually when Press Tour was. And then this year, Press Tour moved to, you know, February. And that's when the storms happened again. (laughs) So it's been a little bit hairy having to commute because most of the time I work from home. So um, I fortunately, you know, uh, my friend lives near me and he was attending this year. So we've been carpooling. But I remember last year it was so bad that on the way home, I was just like I I was I left the hotel early, early, early. And I was just like, this is getting really pretty bad. And I even took an Uber and the guy was just like it was nuts on the freeway. So I'm glad I got home. All right. That time this time it hasn't been too bad, but maybe it's just because. A lot of people were scared and um, stayed away from the freeways. Yeah, I, I stayed. I stayed off the roads. Um, I because I drove home from Arcadia on Sunday, and man, those freeways were already yeah. real gnarly. <gasps> oh, my coworker flew in from um, Washington to go to press tour, and instead of landing in LAX, a lot of planes were rerouted elsewhere. So she ended up in Vegas. So that's not ne- close at all. <laughs> so she had to come in like half a day late the next day. Um, and she was not the only one I heard of who like some people were like, I'm going to like they're of course on their you know phones and like slacking me, but it's just like <laughs> I'm going to Ontario, and that's the first time I've heard of an Ontario in, in California. You know, and I was like, Yeah, oh, no, I, I flew from Ontario before. For a while they were offering yeah. day flights to Taipei that were like Half oh. the price of flying out of LAX. Holy great. fuck. I will yeah. have to Wild. look that up at some point. Um, because someday <laughs> I do want to go to uh, Taiwan. 
So yeah. Well, <sighs> I think that fulfills our quota of talking about the rain as yes. Angelinos. Yes. Um, Card renewed, membership well. renewed. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um. On this episode, we're actually we are talking about something lunar near adjacent. Uh, we are discussing the new animated feature length film, The Tiger's Apprentice, which is streaming now on Paramount Plus, um, starring a who just a murderous role of Asian and Asian American um, voice talent. Uh, but before we get to The Tiger's Apprentice, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through this rainiest of weeks. Um, start with uh, Han. What's popping? <laughs> As I alluded to earlier, um, it is raining, storming, and therefore it is press tour time. Um, just a reminder for anyone who doesn't really know what that is. I'm part of a, uh, a group called the Television Critics Association. Usually pre-COVID times, uh, twice a year, we meet up at a hotel for anywhere from like two weeks to three weeks. Um, and networks like present back-to-back panels um, about their shows. They bring in showrunners, uh, directors, talent. Um, they hold a press conference and then we also have opportunities to do one-on-one interviews with them as well. And so a lot of times we use this opportunity to bank a shit ton of interviews, um, but also just kind of see like what's coming up because you know what? We have so many streaming services and everything nowadays that I can easily just sort of like let my inbox fill up, you know, like about a, I don't know, 500 emails a day and, um, and then just start deleting them because I can't take, keep up with them. So being able to like have someone like present you a clip and have the actors talk about them is really fun. Uh, so that's what I've been actually doing in the past uh, few days. It started on Monday. We are recording now on Wednesday. And um, yeah, so I've been going to the hotel, uh, the Langham in Pasadena, and just sitting in a alternately uh, uh, sweltering or uh, hot or meat locker cold ballroom um along with other reporters and looking at our screens um so yeah i've seen let's see we had apple day was the first day uh a bunch of weird uh mix of cable stuff yesterday and then today was uh fox set visits yeah i mean obviously whenever tca weeks happens you're just busy beyond belief but it's also when we start seeing all these like first looks and trailers pop up on youtube and just curious as a professional culture editor what's been the most exciting thing you've seen so far okay so let me see if i can pick one from the first day which was apple day uh so let me actually take a look to remind myself what was on apple day (laughs) that's Um, not a good sign (laughs) well no i mean it's just you get a lot of information um so oh you know what um i don't know if anyone's watched this yet but Apple has a, a comedy series called Loot. So we got a preview of season two um, and uh, not Bo and Yang, but Joe Kim Booster. Ron <laughs> very, very important distinction. Yes. Uh, Maya Rudolph, uh, Ron Funches and, um, and a few other actors, Nat Faxon, showed up. And you know what? You get any of those comedians together and it's just freaking delightful um it's a very light-hearted comedy if you haven't started watching it and you do have apple or access to apple for like a one month because you just want to binge something um you should i think it's uh the the concept is you know molly uh, played by molly ringwald but my rudolph is uh you know she's married to the super uber rich dude um and he cheats on her so they have a divorce there was no prenup and so she gets half 
And so she is now super rich, but she, you know, lived a privileged life. So she doesn't know exactly what to do. And she starts um, and she apparently had started a a charitable foundation. So she kind of gets involved with that. And that's run by um, MJ Rodriguez, uh, who was on Pose. And it's just delightful. Um, I've already seen some of the stuff coming this season. And, it, you know, it, it's it still addresses, you know, some of the stuff that you want to address because of, uh, you know, we're talking about the uber rich. But, um, yeah, I don't know. what. Uh, there's plenty of other stuff. Let me take a quick look. Oh, that's about Nazis. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh no, wow. Well, well, it's about, let's see, something called The New Look. And it involves Christian Dior and um, Coco Chanel. So it's a um, uh, World War II set drama, but set in, you know, the real world. And interestingly, Maisie Williams from uh, Game of Thrones is in it. But um, (laughs) it's actually a really good cast. Juliette Binoche, John Malkovich. um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And Ben Mendelsohn and Maisie Williams. So like that's actually there's just like so much like. You know, we got another thing where Michael Douglas plays Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Why not? This is all on Apple. This is all on Apple. Oh, my God. There's this one where it's like a true crime recreation series that's about the hunt for John Wilkes Booth. And I'm I'm kind of about it. Um, the one thing I will say from the next day that we had was um, Hallmark, which is this is a sort of a departure for them. They've done many Jane Austen's sort of like uh, adaptations, like there's the uh, one set in the dog um, dog show world, right? But this one is a straightforward um, period adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, but it's for their mahogany brand. So everyone's black. Love um, it. Into yeah, it. So I was already give it to me. I was already excited about that, but also one of my favorites. Um, costume designers she was one of the og project runway people karasan she is a designer for a uh, costume designer for this she's done stuff like from anywhere from america's ba- dance crew and the de- uh, descendants um that you know that disney series and then now this and so the colors are de- definitely different from what you're expecting but you know they got they got the wigs it's all of it so i'm really excited about that <laughs> um oh yeah I, so those I, are a few highlights yes yeah. Was the um was the physical 100 announcement part of TCA week or was that just like a separate Netflix thing? No, so Netflix did TCA once um when they first kind of started doing more announcements and that was great for us. But then they decided, you know, we're just going to hold our own separate They do one. their own thing. Remember ta dum ta dum. Yeah. And so they so like I don't know if you saw the whole physical 100 thing where they uh THR I think said something like they held a special day for um, the most select or whatever it was journalists. And basically that wasn't like any of us usual folks. It was, <laughs> it wasn't even just like regular writing journalists. It was, was um, like influencers execs. and stuff. No, it was execs. So oh. it was like the execs of, or, or the, uh, the top editors of like trade papers. And so, you know, those might've gotten like the heads up and, you know, and able to write it, but like, yeah, us regular hoi polloi, um, you know, the working journalists were not invited. And so that was kind of like when I saw that tweet, I was like, what do they mean top outlets? Because I was like, 
I know most people in most, you know, um, trade papers. So <laughs> it was very weird when I saw that. Um, but yeah, so Netflix go to Netflix. They do their own thing. I would love to get them back, though. So, um, <laughs> but I think it's, I don't know why they do it that way. But you know what they should do is, here's a free idea for my Netflix uh, publicist friends, is the shows that don't make it to the special Netflix, you know, day, they can still bring it those other ones to press tour because I can guarantee you people would be excited because it's Netflix. And then also Netflix has a zillion things to promote. (laughs) So they might as well, like I can guarantee if they brought like certain like K dramas um, that would be well attended. So I don't know. I I feel like they're just not seeing the possibilities. Yeah. Not to derail the conversation, but um, I'm sure those publicists are very busy dealing with all the backlash to the um, Avatar The Last Airbender interviews have been going out and like literally setting the community on fire. I'm sure. I mean, (laughs) look, they knew that was going to happen, right? Like that is such that's such a big title. There was never going to be not be any sort of controversy ever. Um, So I'm out of it and (laughs) I'm just sort of observing it from the side, not having been an Avatar person at all. Um, which is, you know, to my detriment since I'm not part of. <laughs> That's right. I'm still trying to decide if I want to watch the original series before going into the live action and just going in cold. I mean, how much time do you have? And how long was the series? Like, <laughs> no, I don't there's, know. there's so much to watch. And we'll talk yeah. about this later. Too. There's yeah. just so anyway. much to watch. Anyway. Yeah. So, yes, I've Anyways. been busy, busy doing that stuff. So nothing new. Um, but I, yeah. I got plenty of stuff to look forward to. Um, Speaking of. <laughs> nothing new to watch <laughs> Jess what's yes. popping with you yeah so while Han is very busy and cool about what's coming up um, I have gone back back to 2012 and re-watching <laughs> season I have to look this up it's like season 10 yes season 10 of Top Chef to prepare for the upcoming Top Chef which Kirsten Kish is going to be the new ah, host. Mm-hmm. They so, just released new information today. They we did today. Later, but yeah, yeah. we can go yeah, through Yeah, so that. so <laughs> I've been watching with Raymond, my husband, season 10 because he was not on the top he basically only got on the Top Chef train like during pandemic and was like mm. watching with me, which is like a really good season but like a weird season to jump into, right? Like an all-star season. Like you don't For know sure. these personalities. Like there's a lot of, but, yeah. but you know, the quality of the show has like gone up tremendously. I think both in talent and they have mm-hmm. been gearing more towards drama for drama from the inherent nature of cooking and wanting to be good versus out versus like, you know, season 10, they're still kind of in the thick of like, we're going to cast assholes. Like, we're going <laughs> to cast yeah. shit stirrers. And then we're going to put people we know are going to annoy them all in the same room. And this is the season with John Tezar, the most hated chef in Dallas. <laughs> you know, his first season, yes. when, this is when he's even more unhealthy. We have, you know, um, a lot of mustaches. This is 2012. So we get a lot of mustaches. You know, we got a lot of like toxic, toxic masculinity flying around. We have a. Uh, this is also the first season with Brooke Williamson, and mm-hmm. of course Kirsten Kish. Uh, who's I, can you spoil a ten year old season? As we this know, is she came from behind. She's a, yes, because you know with the whole Josie thing, mm-hmm. um, Josie basically kind of was on her team during Restaurant Wars. She gets mm-hmm. knocked out from that one. But so so it's a really good season. There's also Sheldon, yeah. a very like good Asian heavy go Asian season. 
But yeah, it is kind of wild seeing how much the culture has changed. Again, Raymond has not been watching them. So season 10, it's not as bad as it was in the very beginning. It's still pretty bad. There's like a lot of mm-hmm. casual misogyny flying around in the kitchen. <laughs> There's a uh, casual and not so casual. There's a lot of like assholes. Um, it's great. Great TV. But man, it's mm-hmm. like so different. Only 10 years ago. Yeah, I don't miss the drama. I love that they've leaned more into the competence porn side of them because Mm -hmm. I think that's always been where the strength of the show is. And it's been amazing that Bravo has allowed them to like lean towards that side of the show when Bravo's bread and butter is obviously the drama side, right? I mean, the reality TV shows, I mean, yes, they this is the Bravo is the house that uh, Real Housewives built. And but you know, you have some like. They, they have a gauntlet. I feel like their reality shows like this is the original home of Project Runway. And that was a really uh, yes. great. I love that, that kind of was like the OG of like competency, mm-hmm. like skills based reality competition, you know, before Harvey Weinstein did his Weinstein thing on it and it got a little weird. But um, yeah, it's it's really fun to see Kirsten. As a competitor again, I'm. I know she's she's been on TV as like hosts and and like and like hosts and talk show stuff recent like in the last few years. But yeah, let's get her back into Top Chef Kitchen. Ha 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 ha! Yeah, it's great. It's a really fun rewatch, and and it's a good. Um, I'll probably make Raymond watch the uh, South Carolina season, the Charleston season next, right? Because that's when it's like. Sheldon comes back. Brooke comes back. That was the Shirley season, right? That was the Shirley season. She has has gone on record about saying how like she knew as soon as like Brooke came back. She's like, I'm not winning the season. (laughs) So (laughs) I love her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's like, she's like, no, she's like, I see the storyline. I'm not winning this season. So (laughs) you know what? We need like another Top Chef All-Stars. We need to bring Shirley back if she wants Mm -hmm. to come back. Um, well, she did come back from an all-star season. Charleston was like the semi-all-star season. <laughs> um, but but that was like not it was so unfair to like the action to the first time competitors because the, the veterans just kind of demolished them. Um and, and John John Tazar also came back for that season, if you remember, and was slightly better, but still a little unhinged. <laughs> um, but no, I'm very excited for Top Chef Wisconsin. Words I never thought I would string together in that order. And I'm excited to see, you know, the new new faces and the challenges yeah. and, and to see Kirsten step in. I mean, looking at the chefs, it looks like we have at least two Go Asian candidates, um, one from Chicago and a Vietnamese dude, a Kenny Nguyen from uh, one of your people, Han. One of my from, folks. From, from Houston? From, no, from uh, from Georgia. Okay. Technically, that's, at, that's at, okay. Like the Atlanta we'll area. So, yeah. I don't know. Looking forward, looking forward to. It feels like it's been a long time since Top I Chef. Know. I know. Right? I miss it. It, it's, mm-hmm. it has a real soft spot in my heart. It really got me through the <laughs> pandemic. Um, I recently just also managed to unlock free peacock again through my Instacart. Yeah. That that's how you can get free peacocks. So I'm having a really fun time. <laughs> yeah, we're almost there. March is only a month away, and it's a short month. <laughs> Okay, Marvin. How about you? What's popping? Do you have anything new? <laughs> yeah, I've actually been um, watching some new anime as as we do. It's kind of my my comfort zone when I'm just need something to throw up on my my TV or iPad. So um, I've w- been watching this new show called Bang Brave Bang Bravern. <laughs> what? 
Okay. And basically, it is a it's a mecha anime, and you know Ooh. how I love my mecha anime. Mm-hmm. Um, except this one does not star child soldiers. All the all the characters oh. are adults. Great, just light, just pace. light war crimes. No big deal. <laughs> well, no war crimes yet. So okay, so this is the setup. I, right? I so. would argue a mecha in itself is a war crime. Okay, <laughs> I love mecha though. Uh, so there's essentially two schools of mecha anime, right? You have your real robots, which is like mm-hmm. these are like robots that could exist in real life and those are usually shows about war and war crimes as just mentioned mm-hmm. and then there's super robots which is kind of like your voltrons your like, the, like is it like the mecha where the real friends you made along the way vibe kind of and those are usually fighting you know, fighting aliens you have theme songs and special moves and imagine like the the megazord parts of power rangers right mm-hmm. <laughs> so this anime kind of blends the two together so essentially it starts off as a grounded military anime japan and u.s are doing joint training operations in hawaii um it's like a near future where mechs exists and so lots of heavy top gun vibes like the, the people who make this anime obviously really love top gun because they get the whole broy dude military dudes being mm-hmm. almost homoerotic with each other like mm-hmm. yeah what's not to love <laughs> yeah and then halfway through the first episode an alien invasion happens, kind of like Independence Day, right? Uh-huh. Aliens come, invade the world. Um, basically, everything's in ruins. And right when everything seems hopeless, a super robot comes down from the atmosphere and saves the day and enlists our main character, a Japanese pilot, to become his um, his pilot. And then it, all of a sudden it becomes a super robot show with this robot flying around, doing sword attacks, playing his own theme music um, from <laughs> his speakers. Mm, I respect um, that. Yeah, and basically it just turns into a super robot show, but still maintains its gritty military um, show like setup. Um, because right after this initial battle, the pilot that gets taken in by the super robot is arrested and then waterboarded by the U.S. government. Oh, oh my because god! They think he's what? an alien spy. Okay, so real war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Um, all the while, this the super robot is also um, his name is Bravern from yeah. the title and he's uh-huh. sentient so he can talk and he's very dramatic he's kind of a very dramatic himbo super robot who talks about being piloted very homoerotically oh, <laughs> oh. You, okay. you got my you piqued my interest <laughs> you said so, the magic yeah. words <laughs> and so it's doing a really good job just like telling this kind of gritty grounded military story about an alien invasion and like subverting it with super robot hijinks uh, because um, the our main character is like your typical mecha protagonist who's he's reluctant to go into the super robot because he's, he's just a little much, a little extra. And he's like literally got waterboarded because of him. So he's like, I don't want to pilot the robot anymore. But he has to because he, he's the only pilot this robot will accept into him. Um, so you so <laughs> sorry, the way you phrase that this is a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly the way this robot also phrases it. Please okay. come into me and pilot um, me. So. Um, so this started in January. Is it ongoing still? Yeah, so it's four episodes in. It's an uh-huh. original work, so it's not based on any manga or okay. novel. Right. Um, and it's it's pretty good. It's I did not expect to laugh so hard during, I, I during mean, this show. I just pulled up a little bit of it, and I like the animation style so far. You um, should look up the ending song, because it is the most homework. Like, it definitely knows what it's doing. <laughs> Okay. Like it knows what it is. It knows what jokes it's making. All and right, it, yeah. I will check this out. This is so. This sounds fun. I also actually do miss Mecca. Uh, 
you know. Yeah, um, and this so. is kind of it. <laughs> yeah, and and this isn't like you know. Sure, war crimes are being depicted. Sure, but at least they're not done to children. So yeah, we'll take the small steps, <laughs> progress. So yeah, it's called Bang Brave, Bang Braver, and it is okay. Just a good time, and it's streaming on Crunchyroll. So yeah, check it yeah. out. I gotta use my Crunchyroll too. If okay. any of that sounds good to you, um, definitely check it out. Well. That's what's popping this week. Um, when we come back, we're talking about the the Tiger's Apprentice, the newest Asian American animated feature um, on Paramount Plus. Stick around. Mm, but we're still here. We're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. Co-host the podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like. A podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we are talking about The Tiger's Apprentice, a 2024 American animated fantasy film um, streaming now on Paramount Plus, um, based on the 2003 novel of the same name by Lawrence Yep. Um, it's directed by Raymond Hui, um, co-directed by Paul Watling and Young Duk Jung, from a screenplay written by David McGee and Christopher Yost, um, starring the voice talents of a just a murderous role, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asian, Asian-American voice talent, including Brandon Suhu, Henry Golding, Lucy Liu, Sandra Oh, Leah Lewis, Sherry Cola, Greta Lee, and of course, because you can't make an Asian show without <laughs> including Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. So she's in here too. I'm yeah. not mad. <laughs> <laughs> the story follows Tom, an unassuming, I guess, teen um, living in San Francisco, who finds out he's descended from a long line of guardians um, and has to work with his new mentor, who, um, a tiger spirit played by um, Henry Golding, who was a member of the Zodiac Warriors, to fight against an evil sorceress who wants to take over the world. Um, that's pretty much the gist of it. It's not a very complicated mm-hmm. It doesn't need film. to be. Um, but um, what do we think of The Tiger's Apprentice? You know, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Um, Same. So that's always a pleasant surprise. Um, I thought the cast 
was amazing, right? Like again, you keep saying we murders row, like truly, you're just like, oh, and 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 you know, it's well known names, and I think they all did a real pretty great job. Even smaller roles, like like I don't I don't consider like you know what what I don't the first thing that comes to the top of mind when you say Joe Coy is not like oh he's a great voice actor, but he did a really <laughs> great job. Um, really great, even like the small cameos, like Lucy Liu, hilarious and you know wonderful and and she i feel like i feel like i love michelle Yeoh. don't get me wrong but like <laughs> you michelle Yeoh's in everything like you can get her in in booked mm-hmm. in th- book she booked and busy lucy lou sometimes a little harder to come mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. um so it's always a pleasant um you know bowen yang's rat character delightful my favorite i'm a little biased but he's my favorite oh I are you you're the rat I have another. Well, I, and I think and Sandra Sandra O, oh, you're the dragon. Dragon, fantastic. Um, but yeah, who who are you? Who are you bringing up, Han? Uh, so yes, overall I liked it. Here's the thing: when you're saying is like it's sort of simple and straightforward. That's actually why I liked it. Because do you, does anyone else remember? Was it what's that? The moon, the moon one, yeah, right, that we, was really complicated. Where we yes. ended up almost having a an acid trip in the middle. Well, that I, one required like a whole like t- like ten literally ten minute exposition scene, just like yeah. set up the yeah. the founding myth, right? So so like, and we're adults, like we're kind of <laughs> just like I was like, what happened here? Did I like fall asleep? Is this part of my dream? So I honestly, I'm kind of just like, look, you're gonna give me an action adventure with all these great voice talents and they're going to play the Zodiac animals and they're doing action. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm down for that. And so I kind of didn't need more, you know, I'm, I'm glad this kid is like going to learn and come into his own, but whatever. Um, so it, it overall, not a bad one. I would definitely watch it with kids. I like that it's streamable because I could see myself just putting this on and being like, watch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had yeah. babies. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm with Jess. I actually found myself enjoying this much more than I thought I would because I don't know sometimes when you see like a a straight to streamer animated film you're kind of like uh I mean it's probably okay or or it's just not for us right like it is very much geared towards kids which is fair and and to be fair this is also geared towards children it's not a very nuanced or layered story it's fun it has you know, I actually do think the one thing this film does really well is it's the direction of its action sequences are like very strongly. There's executed. a lot of like small details during the fight scenes that I found myself noticing, like, mm-hmm. huh, they did something cool there. I, I also um, found it kind of funny. Like one of the characters I like is the frog restaurant lady. Yes, <laughs> Lucy Lou. Who is amazing. also Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou plays more than one role. Um and She's just such a, it, the character is just an oddball and I love her to death. Yes. And I think the, the fact that they made sure to have a character like that shows that they, you know, that sort of attention to detail. Uh, so enjoyed that. And just FYI, because I need to mention this, uh, Salon did interview Sherry Cola for this interview. Uh, it's a really great interview. You should check it out. But also um, she plays the monkey. So I am predisposed to liking the monkey. Um, my mom is also a monkey. So, you know. 
That's my mom. Monkeys yeah. are the best. Monkey <laughs> supremacy. Yeah. And I did love that they yeah. used Sherry Cola because obviously her um, her Mandarin skills are probably the strongest of this cast. And so <laughs> she did throw in some Mandarin in there. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, for, for uh, our interview, you know, she talked a little New Year and she was talking about how during her year, her mom um, made her wear actually red underwear every single day of the year. <laughs> uh, not just like for a few mm-hmm. weeks. So, so yeah, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of laundry going on. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually, I also really liked the fact that it was a very straightforward action film. It didn't try to do too much in terms of like explaining things. And I think, and I think that's what helped it kind of keep it. It was a very fast paced movie. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're in the action like right away, and it doesn't yes. really. It does even in scenes where they're explaining the world building. It doesn't get bogged down in like here is like the whole backstory of like this internal battle between good and evil. You're just like kind of thrown into it. And I feel like more like more Asian, I guess, films, TV media should take notes from like, this is how you kind of keep the pace up and not have to be bogged down in explaining your culture to to the world. Right. Yeah. They would just pick it up because like even if a kid doesn't know anything about the Zodiac, you kind of just know that there's going to be 12 animals and you can pick one. Right. They don't they might not know what they are yet if they're especially if they're not like from an Asian family. But that's enough. You could that that these are these 12 things that you get to be. So it's it's already a built in mythology. They can look it up later and find out more about later. Um, yeah, I've yeah, always like, wondered. I, I realized watching this and, you know, in the slew of kind of Zodiac based narratives I've watched in my life. Um, and forgive me if I'm wrong, because to be honest, my parents are like pretty not culturally traditional like we celebrate the things but we're not like deeply like you know like traditional right and i'm just like oh like the zodiac doesn't really have a story around it the only story that is kind of canon is the how they got the order right they are in right because of the race race. race. but like other than that there's no like myth or like fairy tale or like origin story or like like the other chinese holidays have some you know like Mm -hmm. we eat those rice dumplings because some Mm -hmm. dude like died in the boat and it's all very morbid but you know like there's stories associated like there's tales like even with the moon festival there's like tales i'm like oh there is no there's no canonical like base story to riff off of and i've always wondered if that was like like a good or bad thing when you're trying to adapt or make something to enter the canon right like because I'm like, yeah, there's no personalities attached to any of these Zodiac yeah. animals. I do kind of wish we did get some of that, though, because it would be fun to see like them being all salty about the rat being. Yeah, we, like the, the, a, the original, a movie like, version myth. of that story, right? Like, a, like yeah. a Fast and the Furious with the 12 Zodiac animals. Because <laughs> I'm sure you know, right? The reason the rat is first in the Zodiac is because he's a little cheater. Yeah, yeah. He swung that's, on the bull's tail. That's like the <laughs> that's the only thing that I kind of know. And um, there was a sort of a mixed up story about like why there's a cat and why there's a rabbit, um, in in certain places. But um, yeah, the rats don't. But I guess that is why you know you get the personality from this rat. Yeah, <laughs> Just, it's also why cats eat mice. Yes, yes. Um, because. <laughs> It was supposed to be the rat and cat and ox were like in it together. They were like yes. riding together to be like one, two, and three. And then the rat goes, "Nope, I'm the I'm the first. He's a cheater. 
Um, <laughs> Honestly, that's like some survivor shit. I would yeah. watch like a survivor of these Zodiac animals. Yeah. Playing. So so that's actually comes to my next thing is, you know, maybe that's the reason why I liked it, too, was because it kept it sort of not quite a blank slate, but almost a blank slate. So I could see this becoming a series where they build up the personalities for each of these animals um, and like follows whatever, you know, <laughs> adventure of the week or whatever it is or kid of the week. I mean, it is a series. It's part of a trilogy of books by Lawrence Yip. And you know, right. full disclosure, just my one of my pop culture gaps, I guess. Um, I've never read a Lawrence Yip book. I've seen them. And yes. I know Dragon Wings is like yes. canonically like a, a classic, but I have, I've never read his books. I, it's a really weird gap for me because I read almost all the books in my one local library as a kid. And I definitely read a lot of Dragon books. Um I didn't read that one, though. And so, yeah, I've seen Dragon Weeks. I, I just I don't know why. Maybe it just looked really old to me because it is older. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. 1975. This guy's been around yeah. for a long so, time. So it's an almost 50 year old book. Um, So it was already old when we looked at it. Right. So that might just be the only reason why, like, I maybe stayed away from it, like thinking like, oh, this like from my mom or something. Um, but, yeah, but this yeah. guy's still writing, man. He's um, I think how old is he? <laughs> he's seventy five this year. Holy um, crap! I think I mean he's he was writing as early as last decade. So good for him, or man. as late as last decade. Yeah, uh, I guess I might have to check him out. We'll see. Uh, yeah, always oh. my favorite part in the reading anthology textbook. Wow. There's always like a he's always like the Asian story in the right, textbook. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because for yeah. a while there weren't a, a lot of Asian like. Kid writers or, or yeah interesting okay. yeah i really like the the way they fleshed out the zodiac characters like we didn't get all of them but we get did yeah. get enough of each personality and you know obviously um Bo and yang's rat um sandra o's dragon and henry golding's tiger were like the main <laughs> focus i like greta lee as the rabbit uh-huh. It was a like good mixture of cute and terrifying. Um, <laughs> I, I did feel bad that the goat didn't actually get a voice. He just made goat sounds. But that was also pretty funny. <laughs> see, see, that's what I'm saying. It should be a TV series. And then we'll get to get, you know, we'll finally give well, the goat they, a voice. They kind of made this and it's called Jackie Chan Adventures. And it is yeah. fantastic. It yeah. is truly fantastic can, and holds can, up. So we got to bring, bring that back. back. You got to bring yeah. it back. I miss it so much. <laughs> Uh, um, I did find it funny that like I couldn't really place like Henry Go- was Henry Golding trying to do an American accent or like because it went Australian at some points I think I, mean, I think it just went to his, like natural yeah. accent yeah. at yeah. times yeah so that made sense that he kind of had a I mean I was listening to him and I'm like yeah you're just being yourself kind of but also <laughs> sexy is this like sexy oh yeah so can can we talk about <laughs> yes, that and what I texted y'all which is. <laughs> Why is this Tiger Man designed so handsome, but in like a douchey 2006 way, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel. <laughs> I mean, when you get Henry Golding as the voice, you got to you got to step up the design team, right? Yeah, because a lot of times these animated characters are just generic enough that you're like, oh, they're good looking, but whatever. But this one, I was just like, I agree. There was something well, it's, like it's like he has a human form, but then he's also kind of like attractive in the tiger form, which is weird. But there is like a <laughs> string of like sexy tiger representation in uh, animated films. Yeah. And they give him like this like salt and pepper like bearded look too, right? Like it just of... made me uncomfortable. I'm just <laughs> like, hey, mm. as a tiger myself, I just gotta say you can't you know fight off the sexy. You just gotta accept it. 
<laughs> oh, but like, if this is a movie for kids, y'all. Like, can mm, they, they will calm it they down? They might not notice. <laughs> and if they do, yeah, he just looks we, like oh, a cool oh, no. guy. Children 100% notice. Okay, well, everyone's like first crush is like Simba from The Lion King. Or um, mine was the uh, fox from Robin Hood. Mine was Racer X and (laughs) Snake Eyes. Um, Yeah. So congratulations (laughs) to the new generation of furries that this movie just created. I'm very happy for y'all. I hope I'm not going to lie. You know, who was also very hot. Um, Sandra. Oh, gay dragon lady. was Also did something to me. I was like, I'm into it. Um, See, see, kids are actually, you're right. Like, we do have sexual urges uh, if you are that type of person uh, who has sexual urges and, and younger than people think. But, you know, if it's animated characters, I'm totally less. I feel like that's a good safe outlet. I mean, the designs for all the Zodiac characters are pretty like non-traditional, I want to say. Right. Like Monkey even had like kind of like a like a like a queer vibe. Yeah. Like a non-binary mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah. That, that's fitting. I, I like it. I You know what? Wasn't this originally meant for um, a different network? Cartoon, uh, Cartoon Network, Network, I think, initially. Yeah. And, you know, Cartoon Network has a pretty great track record of the mm-hmm. DEI and the queer representation. Yeah, and, and it wasn't necessarily meant for kids. You know what I Got mean? It. So I wonder. <laughs> that's just because I think it was supposed to be live action CG. So who Dumb. knows if they, like, in adapting it, it they changed it around. But, like, I felt like the, yeah, I, I feel like when it comes to live action, you are also trying to get a broader audience. So I'm... I don't know. It looks like there's so much changing from the development stage to this. Um, yeah. Hmm. I guess what could have been better in my mind was the, the pacing. I mean, I love that it was a tight, like, 85 minutes, mm-hmm. perfect length. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was tight at the expense of some development, right? Like, we, yeah. you know, Tom has, like, a love interest, um, Rav, played by Leah Lewis, who mm-hmm. is kind of just there. Yeah. To like advance the plot. And I kind of wish we got more of her story, but that would have involved like adding more runtime. Yeah, they, um, yeah. Yes, I agree. And then, you know, I think we didn't get enough time with all the Zodiac. They, you know, yeah. half of more than half of them get taken out of the commission like mm-hmm. midway through the film in this big like action set piece. You know, we don't get a lot. I, I, I know, like, you know, we just talked about how like keeping it pretty simple was like was was nice, but you know, maybe maybe a little too like some of the villain stuff was a little too simple. Like Lou, also terrible name. Like what <laughs> name is Lou? Lee and Lou. Like come on, we can do better. Yeah. Um. You know, like you, we don't get any context. She's just bad. Per- bad witch wants to destroy humanity. Like okay, doesn't make them for the most interesting kind of antagonist. But played with the right amount of sinisterness by Michelle Yeoh, who mm-hmm. has that gear. Right. Yeah. We saw this mm-hmm. in her. This is like her. Um. Her Crazy Rich Asians evil mom mm-hmm. energy character and, right and then her her demons i think are really well designed um but i did feel like one of the things that like really tripped me up which also it was like the first impression so it took me a while to get over this was the design or the i guess the animation style of the humans and the human world mm-hmm. was pretty mid mid to like <laughs> mid to like i feel like they just yeah. didn't like have money or like it, it looks like it it truly looks like a budget like corporate like order instead of like an artistic choice or like a a vision D- does that make sense like it just looks like very generic computer yeah, animated had a very animation quality to it yeah like kind the backgrounds like, yeah. were like seemed very cheaply generated like 
and then at first I'm just like, okay, like it is what it is. Like this is maybe just not like a movie that like probably, but like you, it's hard to get away when you're doing animated, right? Because we've seen like the look is what you, the look is the form. It's not like a live action where you know cinematography, same equipment, but but like. You know, I, at first I'm just like, oh, I guess this is just what we're doing. But then, like, you see things like the hev- like the Empress's world, where they make like, and the Dream World, where mm-hmm. they like make artistic choices, and you're like, oh, that's gorgeous mm-hmm. and very cool. They should have just done it like that. And then, so when you get brought into this like very flat, like, like there's no texture on the faces, there's like no texture in the hair. The hair is like one piece, and you're just like, oh, like. I guess all the money went to animating like dragon hair. Yeah, I mean, this was a COVID project too, right? This was delayed several years due to the mm-hmm. pandemic. So. It went through a shame because I yeah. do think like, you know, animation more that like half is how it looks like more so than again, more so than live action. And um, it, I just, and I hate, I just hate that like, Cor- it looks it looks like it looks like it makes a corporate like <laughs> handling like corporate note like here's the corporate like default computer program mixed with like this is we're gonna AI generate something and yeah maybe it they reminds did. me of like like the early seasons of not maybe the early seasons but like the middle seasons of the Clone Wars um, anime series um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that means anything but <laughs> okay. Like, just the fact that, yeah, like, the hair kind of just doesn't move look right. <laughs> like, Grandma has no wrinkles. You know what I mean? Like, everyone, mm-hmm. like... Hey, everyone just... Asian don't raisin. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, but, like, it's just... Mm. <laughs> um, speaking of Grandma, played by Ken Hua Tang, the um, mm-hmm. mom from Crazy Rich Asians. So, lots of Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. representation in this, in this series as well. Um, so, this is a dumb thing, but Tom, do we ever find out his, his sign? Mm. Because at first I th- kept thinking he was going to be a tiger, right? Because of Tiger's Apprentice, I figure who's going to teach you to be a tiger, but another tiger, right? But then it's never brought up. Maybe they just kept him as a blank slate on purpose so that the kids wh- who were watching can put put themselves on him. I mean, he was um, a baby in 2009 in the intro. Oh. What was 2009? Uh, 2009 is... Nine, what was 2021? Ox. Okay. So he could be an ox or he could be a rat because oh, a rat would maybe make. he was like one or two mm-hmm. when he in that scene. I will um, speak in the intro. Um, Jess, how hard did you pog when you heard Tia Mimi? I'm like, you know what? That's a cheap trick. It works every time. It works every <laughs> fucking time. I, I, I can't be mad. Um, there were some inconsistencies, though, and I'm wondering if that was like deliberate or not. Or they're just like, whatever, we'll just use like Mandarin because that's easier. Because, like, he calls her Ama. Like, that's Kanto, right? And they're in San Francisco. Yeah. And they're in Hong Kong in the beginning. Like, this is, like, Cantonese family. Well, the subtitles were also confused because um, at one point it said Fai La, which is Cantonese for hurry up. But the, the subtitle said in Mandarin. Oh, yeah, so there's just, like, okay. a little inconsistency. Not a big deal. This is just us being bitches. Um, but, and I'm, there are but some this really... is an Asian project with Asian people in yeah. front and behind I, I, the camera. Honestly, I've, yeah, I, I, I like the fact like that you're telling me. Up a little. Yeah, I don't know it, but I'm glad when you tell me about it. So yeah, as as mm-hmm. I'm I'm I feel better about it because it's not like a central line that's like mistranslated or something that's like lost in translation. They're just yeah. like 
little sounds like it's fine like once like again lucy lucy luke frog lady like has you know when she's doing like <laughs> open the door open the door like um yeah. that's like mandarin i'm like you know, it's not it's not instrumental to like our understanding of plot or character. That's fine. I mean, once again, things that only we would notice because we're too far, we're we're too deep in it, right? I, I will say the uh, the San Francisco ness. I again, I'm the San Francisco ness. I think they got like you know, it's obviously like an elevated version of San Francisco. Um, like Chinatown's not the streets are not that big. It's not that clean. It's like not that again. There's not that many blocks. Uh, real bitches know that like the the one with all the like pretty lanterns and like the facades is like the touristry. The real restaurants are like in much like chiller back streets. <laughs> um, but my thing is like, okay, frog lady, like, do we think magic is protecting her from gentrification because she's running a dim sum store and it looks very empty? <laughs> uh, we know rents in San Francisco are super fucking high, as is you know Mr. Tiger's Apprentice. Like, how are they like? staving off gentrification in Chinatown. Obviously, she owns the building. Hmm. You're right, Marvin. Okay. Generational okay. wealth, right. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put anything past her. <laughs> that's does. true. I mean, we do have, like, San Francisco Asians are the ones who go, like, four generations, five mm-hmm. generations back. They, they can build the generational mm-hmm. wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, as we wrap up our discussion of The Tiger's Apprentice, um, gotta ask one last question. Is... The Tiger's Apprentice, good pop. No, I'm <laughs> gonna say yes. I'm I'm more surprised than anyone. Um, <laughs> I was ready to be like, "This is not great," uh, but it is a very charming, non-offensive, action-packed, fun movie, tight movie that you could put on. Um, that is about a you know holiday set of characters that's like very important to. Are a lot of people in our communities, our communities, you know, are our peeps, women, women, and it is, you know, it's not for me, but I'm also not <laughs> like, I'm I'm a 32 year old single woman, like it's fine, it's not for me, but it is delightful, and we got to hear, for the adults, we did get to hear some really fun performances from some some of our my favorites, anyways. So yeah, I'm gonna say it's good pop. Uh, yeah, agreed. Maybe not my personal favorite when it comes to kids films. Um, but at the same time, I can't deny that it was still fun to watch uh, because of the action, because of all the animals. Just like there, there's just they have enough of a formula, enough of the the things that I think are interesting. That's why I keep talking about like I could see this as a TV series just because they have all the things in place that are entertaining. So maybe even though I can quibble about like the story or, you know, the pacing a little bit um, overall, I think it's, you know, it has a lot of good, good things going for it that uh, families can watch together. Yeah, I'm in the yes camp as well. And I'm as surprised as Jess is because I was also fully <laughs> fully geared to be um, underwhelmed by this project. And it (laughs) definitely has like a lot of things that, I mean, I judge children's media by the same metric. Like if I'm taking care of my nieces and nephews, Mm -hmm. will I be willing to put this on for them to watch? And this is like a resounding yes. This is something that very effectively weaves in like culture and representation Mm -hmm. and specificity. Um, And it doesn't get bogged down to its detriment. Sometimes the pacing is just so brisk and action is good. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, it's a win. I I think we have to remember, especially me, especially guilty as a millennial, is like 
animated movies don't have to traumatize you. <laughs> I feel like that's like bread and butter that we grew up on, like just waiting for the next like Pixar drop or like you're going to like have an existential crisis at like 13 years old, you know, about like me. Like you don't have to do that for every single movie. Sometimes you could just make a cute movie. And, yeah. and, and I think the obvious conversation that you have with kids after watching this is like, you know, what's your sign? And then you can say, you know, well, dad or your aunt or whoever you're watching it with is like, he's a pig or whatever. And so that automatically, I think, makes it good because you create that conversation in a super, very natural way. Um, Not supernatural, but uh, (laughs) well, I guess supernaturally. Um, And yeah, and I, I think that gives you that interest in culture and opens that conversation. Yeah. And I mean, it's essentially a superhero film and all superhero films live and die on their like final like Avengers shot. And this this film has a really good Avengers shot in the climax. I just want a fluffy tiger I can ride. That Uh-oh. sounds wrong. That sounds wrong. I, or, I meant or that right. I meant that very innocently as in like, ooh, fun jumping off rooftops. But you a dirty, fluff- you perverts. You yeah. fluffy, a fluffy perverts. tiger or a fluffy Henry Golden middle aged man tiger. <laughs> tiger man. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take either. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, oh, so douchey. I don't know why it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for our discussion of The Tiger's Apprentice. Um, streaming now on Paramount Plus. Check it out. It's worth watching. Um, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go these days? My trash takes are still on Twitter at Just You Tweets. Uh, and I am at Anonymous, although I think I'm avoiding Twitter. Uh, we'll see. Uh, is You're board. a better person than me, but yeah, it's pretty you know, good right now. Yeah, is, I'm so torn anyway, so but I'm Anonymous everywhere else. Twitter was, Twitter was extra spicy after the Grammys. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I went there too. Uh, On, and honestly, I mean, I'm very aware this makes me a terrible person, but the um, King Charles... Trisha oh. Paytas second baby conversation is <laughs> so funny. You have to be on it. <laughs> Did any of those set words make sense to you? No, Robin? no, no. But you can find my thoughts and my food pictures on Instagram and Twitter at Marvin Yue. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check it out, fellow Asian American host of podcasts, by going to podcastpotluck.com. Um, we don't say this enough, but if you do listen to us, and it, I know there are some of you out there, let us know what you think about the show. Give us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no iTunes anymore. Apple Podcasts um, <laughs> and Spotify also has um, feedback these days, too. Um, we love to hear from you, and we'd love to know that we're not just um, screaming into the ether. I mean, I can do that, too. But, yeah, it's more fun <laughs> when something screams back. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time on Good Pop. Bye, everybody. Bye. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 